Podcast Studios. This is the award-winning After 9 with Scott and Kat. Powered by Tony Johal, broker at REMAX Twin City. Your home sold guaranteed or he'll buy it. Hey now. What's going on? I know. <laughs> I'm, I'm I laughing know. already. Because <laughs> I do feel bad for you. That sounds terrible. I don't even know how you keep it together when you tell the story. I really don't. But guys, something happened to Scott yesterday. And you had so much good intention going into this. You are being a... You, what a great dad you are, right? I try to be. Scott's son plays lacrosse, for those that don't know, and got traded. I'm not sure if you mentioned on the podcast, but got traded recently to Whitby. Not the easiest place to get to, but you decided last night they're playing. I'm going to go. It has to be a very extreme circumstance for me to miss one of my kids' games. And and just because he got traded to the other side of the greater Toronto area uh, doesn't mean I'm going to miss out on a game. It just means I have to get more creative. So I decided last night, you know what? The arena in Whitby is right on the go train line. Mm-hmm. And I can just skip down to Appleby Station there and take the train because Google Maps indicated that at the current traffic, it would take two hours and 25 minutes to get there. The go train wasn't much faster, but at least I wouldn't have to drive or burn gas. The go train was an hour and 58 minutes. Stop to stop. So here's what happened. I opened up my Presto app after I found out the uh, train times, and I looked to see if I had any money on my card. I did not have enough for the return trip, so I added money to my card. But Metrolinx and Presto have rolled out this system that is so archaic and ass-backwards that it's not user-friendly in any way. When you load money onto your card, it's not instant. Like every other card in the world, it can take up to 24 hours for the money to appear on your card. So that's complete and total bullshit. We're archaic, but whatever. That's the system that millions have to rely on every week here in Ontario. So now I've put money on a card that I can't use. Oh, and by the way, I did need to get a replacement card anyway. So I went to the go station earlier than I needed to. I got a new Presto card for $6. The customer service representative suggested I should put some money on it. So I said, all right, fine. Throw 25 bucks on it. So now I've prepaid on the app and I've prepaid on the card. The problem is the process to replace the card takes at least a day. They say, wait 24 hours for that card to come out of inventory and into your possession. Then you can do it. So again, I'm in a situation now where I've paid... I put 20 bucks on my card on the app. Then I got a new card and put $25 on that. I've paid go way more money than I need to for this trip. I got on the train. And for the first time in my entire life, the fare inspectors came around. Need to see your tickets, please. Need to see your tickets. Which always makes you nervous. You feel like you committed a crime. Even if you have paid your way, you still feel like... "Mm Well, the guy came around and I said to him, listen, here's the deal. I I paid on the app. I paid in person at the go station, but I haven't actually been able to use this card yet because it's not linked to my account and I'm not quite sure what you want me to do. But if you want, go ahead and tap my card if you're telling me that'll work. And he said, so you didn't pay your fare. And I said, well, it's not like I didn't pay my fare. I literally just spent 10 minutes talking to your customer service rep. And she said, wait an hour and then activate the card on your account and you'll be good to go. 
It's like, all right, well, let me see your ID. So I gave him my driver's license. That son of a bitch gave me a ticket. Well, a, a written warning. Oh, a warning. Because you get, so if I'm not mistaken, I don't know, is it three strikes you're out? But they can, they will boot you off of go. Well, go can fuck right off. Yeah, because yeah. this guy says to me, and I didn't know at the time that he was writing up my citation. I figured I'd get something in the mail. But he said, hey, do you think you could just go and 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 just maybe buy a ticket online? You know, like just scan this QR code and it'll take you to the link where you can buy the ticket for this ride. And I said to him, all right, but I mean, I've already paid go like well over $50 today and you have my money. It just doesn't show up in my account apparently for a day or more. That does seem like the easier route though. I mean, just scan the thing and pay for the ticket. And, and you know what? In hindsight, I think I'm going to do that. <laughs> they want people to use Presto, but this thing, this whole system is so fucking dumb. Screw Presto. Fuck them, right? Fuck them. And why did I pay $6 for a card? Yeah. Any other card is free. But it's, I had to pay six bucks for this is, one, which doesn't card? even fucking work. Like it's a physical card. It's a physical yeah, Presto just card. Yeah, do it on your phone. Well, now I'm going to. Fuck Presto. Yeah. That son of a bitch still gave me the citation, even after I paid for the ticket right then and there in front of him. Aww. Well, you know what? They'll fuck him. I didn't. Uh, sorry, I'm angry. I, I don't mean to rant too much, but I, I'm just pissed. So what I did was I didn't actually activate that ticket. I said, you know what? Since you gave me the citation anyway. Screw you. I'll use this on the return trip home. So I got a one-way free fare. Now let's get to the actual go train. (laughs) This story, by the way, gets worse for those who haven't heard it yet. I'm on the go train and I had planned this thing out. I had my backpack and it had my laptop in it and, and my chargers and everything was good. Went to and my phone was down to 20%. Went to plug in my phone. Outlet wasn't working. Well, that's just great. I moved to another seat. That outlet wasn't working. Mm. And there were no other empty seats. So now my phone is draining rapidly. And I thought, all right, fine. I'll just use my laptop. I'm going to write my show prep. I'm going to write my countdown that airs this weekend. I'm going to get all that stuff done. They have free Wi-Fi on the train. I can do it. Yeah, the Wi-Fi doesn't actually let you surf different websites. You can really only use it for streaming content and uh, Mm. uh, checking your email and shit. It's meant for like phones more so than laptops, right? Yeah. So I was unable to get any of the prep done that I thought I had ample time to do in a two-hour trip each way. So I'm sitting there like a sucker doing nothing while my phone dies. (laughs) Looking out the window. Looking out the window. By the way, I've never (laughs) taken the GO train Past Union Station going eastbound. Yeah. The Lakeshore East line is nice. It's actually right on the lake. That's good. Once you get out of Scarborough, of course. So I finally have got myself together, packed everything back up in my laptop. I roll into the Whitby Station, get out. Then it's about, uh, even though you can see the arena from the GO Station, by the time you walk around all the construction and fencing and through the freaking parking lot and everything... <laughs> It's about a kilometer, maybe a little more than a kilometer to get to the rink. Finally got over there. I'm ready to slap down my money and go in and watch my son play. That's when he informs me they scratched him from the lineup. Hmm. I went all the way there and, for nothing. And, and he didn't even... Uh, did it, you, it cost me $70 in go... <laughs> <laughs> on a Presto card that I'll probably never use again because it's a fucking joke. Oh 
my God. And then yeah. I had to run back to the station to catch the next train because they're every half hour. That's terrible. Like, that is terrible. Terrible. Every piece of that. What was the ride back like? Did you, like, just fall asleep and say, screw it, I'm just going to take a nap then if there's nothing else to do? It was somber and angry. Jeez. <laughs> you had plenty of time to reflect on that, huh? It's uh, Go trains are something else. I used to take them uh, when I worked downtown Toronto. And it's amazing how many people play that game of I'm not going to pay and see what happens. Mm -hmm. And I think if I'm not mistaken, and I only know this because someone who I used to work with actually was like on a two strike, almost three strike your route, whatever it might be. It might be two strikes, three strikes. I don't know. But she was one more citation, if you will, away from being booted from go. And I'm not sure how exactly you get booted from go. Like, I don't know if they put your photo up or I'm not sure if they put a microchip in you just to make sure you can't enter the trains. <laughs> I don't know how they do it. That's why they wanted everyone to get the COVID shots so they can get the fare evaders on go. But she was so cheap. She risked daily and she knew the go police officers, if you will, go police. It's almost an embarrassment to call them police officers. Yeah, they... I mean, it's pretty obvious when they come through the car and that's what helps those people, I suppose, because it was as easy as she would see one coming through. Every now and again, they trick you, though. There'd be two on duty and they come in at you from each side of the car at the same time in between stops. So it's not like you can run out the door. You're trapped, right? Uh huh. And that's when they got you. That's the only time she says she ever got caught. But otherwise, I watched her get a citation at one point. I'm just like. Just stamp your fucking ticket. Just stamp the damn thing. Well, it's not cheap. I mean, each way was no. $20. No, it's not cheap. I mean, gas isn't cheap. Nothing's cheap. No, but I mean, this would have been comparable to uh, the gas that it would have cost me Close. to drive. Yeah, it's just basically you're going with that relaxation factor, which you thought you had because you had all your stuff with you. And I would have probably thought the same thing. Like, at least I can get stuff done. Well, at least you learned something, though, from it, right? What I learned is this is another <laughs> branch of the government that is so Fucked up beyond repair. I was there. I took one trip there and back and I probably could have told you 10 different things that need to change. So rather than screwing around with this current system that we have, they should just scrap the entire Presto system altogether because it's a joke. It doesn't work. It's not user friendly. Uh, The whole thing's just a hot mess. Rather than paying all these people to try and catch other people stealing. Why on earth do they not just go to a more reliable system of verifying that everyone on the train has paid their fare? Why are we doing this mm-hmm. mainly an honor system, but if we catch it, you're fucked? Yeah. I Why are we doing this? I don't know. It's stupid. You think about the subway, too. The subway's pretty, it's, it's harder, right? Because you got the, the turnstiles. Yeah, the turnstiles. Exactly. So it's a little harder. Some people try to jump it, and some people say they know ways. That's fine. You want to go to all that trouble? Fuck it. And it's, le- it's cheaper. So, okay, you want to save yourself the $3? Uh, fine. But I do wish we had better better ways uh, because I don't like it's it sucks, but I can't see myself using it that often. Maybe for fun, like maybe for hey, I'm on vacation, let's take a trip downtown. Cool, that'll save maybe at least some stress of driving. But otherwise, I find it seeming so complicated to me that I can't even be bothered with it. Yeah, and I know once you get they say, of course, everyone who takes it normally is like it's not that complicated. And I totally believe you if you take it on a regular basis. I'm more so talking about those like myself who would take it semi regular when I am, you know, visiting friend in Mississauga or going downtown Toronto, going shopping, seeing some touristy things like those are all the areas where I feel like 
if we did a little bit better, made it a little more clear for people to understand how it works, we would have more people doing it. Well, the main part of the problem is their stupid presto fare system. It's dumb. And uh, like I said, not user friendly. If they scrap that, that'd be a good start. Uh, Some real simple common sense things could make that experience so much better. Uh, Listen, when your presto card is linked to your account and you've got money on it and you're not trying to do anything last minute, maybe that works fine. You just tap on and tap off. Mm Mm-hmm. For any other situation, it's a joke. And it's so frustrating. I mean, this is the transit system that we're supposed to be proud of. But how can we possibly be fucking proud of that? And and the whole system is with the fare inspectors. This is the last point on this. It's funny because when he said, well, could you just buy the ticket here online? I said, yeah, yeah, no problem. So I scanned the QR code, paid again. Third time I'd paid Metrolinks yesterday. And... It comes up with a thing. Your card can activate in five minutes. So I said, well, look, it's not activating, though. Like, you can see that I've paid, but it says it's not active. He said, no, they wait five minutes. That's to stop people from when they see us just trying to quickly go online and order a ticket. Oh. Shouldn't anything that encourages people to pay be celebrated? Why the fuck would we want to try and catch people doing something wrong? That's such an ass backwards way of doing anything. Trying to catch somebody doing something wrong. That's stupid. Just get them all paid before they even get on the train, like any other business business would. This is so far beyond repair. There are so many things that need to be fixed about it. it I, I just, I can't even. I am just floored. And it didn't help that the guy was, started off nice, but then he gave me that citation anyway. Uh, nice souvenir from Go. Thank you very there you much. go. Frame that puppy. Does that mean I have a record now? <laughs> Honestly, probably like your name's on the slip, right? Yeah. I told you it's like three times and you're out. And again, I don't understand how they do the you're out thing or if it's just a fine you have to pay that's really large. That could be it. Um, but I know that there is consequences if you're uh, if you're if you're an offender again and again and again. But is there no ability to say, yeah, I mean, obviously this guy wasn't trying to evade a fare. He clearly paid us earlier and I showed him the receipt. Then he paid us again at the station. The fact that our card can't be set up right away is not his problem. What more do you want me to do? I literally spent seventy dollars plus with Metrolinks yesterday for this stupid Presto card, which I had to pay six dollars for. It's just a a fucking mess, cat. So not a good day. No, it wasn't a very good day. <laughs> not a very good day. I watched the NHL awards last night, and we were talking about yesterday our thoughts on that. Um, but Austin Matthews winning the heart that was awesome, and a couple of uh, a couple of awards actually. So that was uh, that was cool. That was good. And Keenan Thompson's great. You were uh, talking about Kim Kardashian this morning during Mm -hmm. What's Trending on our radio show. And I thought it was a really interesting story that it doesn't really get talked about, but it's something that affects so many people on a daily basis. One of the questions Kim got asked was why and when she decided to introduce Pete Davidson to her kids. If you think about all the divorced and separated parents out there Mm -hmm. that get back into the dating pool. There's going to be a point where you have to make that decision. Is it time to introduce Manu to my kids? Mm-hmm. Kim says, she, well, actually, I believe her when she says she did a lot of work. She actually interviewed different psychologists trying to get their theories on it. Yeah, I think that she's got some therapists like on standby for the most part. That whole family probably does, <laughs> which is great. Hey, that, and I'm not knocking that. That's fantastic. Good for them because I'm sure that they go through a lot of shit. So she spoke with not just therapists, though. I mean, having someone in your life that has been through it, don't we all do that? 
when we're going through something, we talk to those people, ask about their experiences, ask for their opinions and their thoughts. This is one of those things that for me, although I have no experience in it, I do believe this is not a one size fits all situation. You know yourself best. You know your kids best. You should be able to figure that out for yourself. So if a number like what Kim said, which is six months, she said after she spoke with her sister and the therapist, six months, that's how long I waited to make sure the relationship was serious enough. That's what worked for her. It doesn't mean that it that it's wrong to do it at three months, for example, or it's wrong to do it at one year. I mean, some people will wait that long. And it all depends on the age of the children and their understanding. And again, you know what's best. How long did you wait before you introduced your girlfriend to your kids, if I may ask? Um, I've, I've dated a few girls uh, since I became single. And the girl that I'm with now, great, my girlfriend, I, I waited a really long time. And my kids are older. I mean, as you know, they're adults. And uh, yeah, it's just, it, it's a tough situation. And you really have to ask, uh, why? Like, are you introducing them because you think there's a future and she should get to know them? Are you introducing them just because you're trying to be polite and everybody should know each other? Are you introducing them because you want to piss off your ex? And that actually happens from time to time. Oh, yeah, that's true. But you... I don't know. Maybe this isn't an unpopular opinion. I think you do also need to consider the feelings of your ex because you're still parents. Uh, in my case, I waited a long time. It was over a year. Okay. Uh, that was just what worked for me with my kids and and that situation. And it's never forced that they're together. I mean, they're adults. They can leave any time. Right. <laughs> you know, I mean, it, it's that. But I mean, when you have younger kids, mm-hmm. it's probably a, a much more delicate situation. And Kim, if she did the work and she truly felt that her kids were ready and Pete was ready and Kanye was ready and that there was a point in doing this, i.e. you see a future with Pete, then that maybe six months was the right number for her. Mm-hmm. But a lot of people struggle with that situation all the time. I bet they do. And that's one of the, that's the most relatable thing I think she's ever talked about, isn't it? Well, it's relatable and it's, uh, it's practical too. It's kind of interesting to know that after talking to a number of therapists and psychologists and so on, they centered on six months. I'm kind of curious to know why six months. Was that just the feeling or the time that it took Kim to realize there is a future with Pete, i.e. I should introduce him to my kids? Was that how long it took for Kanye to be okay with it? Uh, was Kanye even a factor in this decision? I, I would hope he is, but I don't know for sure. There's so many things that go into it, and there's no manual on how to do that stuff. No, of course not. That's why you do just have to figure out your own situation. Some people would do it a lot quicker, and it, of course, like you said, it does depend on the age of the kids and your circumstance and who lives with who. I mean, that also plays a factor. I mean, if you're thinking about moving in together, and it's then that's probably the time you should do that if you haven't yet, you know? Exactly. You're usually pretty good at getting a gauge for relationships. You can hear about these Hollywood couples and say, yep, that's a great couple and I think they're going to last. And you're usually right. I'd like to know your take on this couple, though. No, they're not celebrities. They're regular people with real people problems. Her name is Laura. She lives in the UK. She right now is in the process of planning her wedding To a person who's serving 40 years in a U.S. prison for murder. Okay. She is 32. She is engaged to Terrell Raven Reese. They met through the prison pen pal service. And Laura, who's from Bristol, Mm. says she enjoyed reading Reese's letters and poetry. And she was blown away when he proposed over the phone from prison in Michigan, 3,500 miles away. 
Reese was convicted of murdering a 19-year-old in Detroit back in 2009. Now, Terrell told the court, uh, sorry, told the deceased that he would sell him a car. Instead, he planned to rob him and another man. He brought along an AK-47, and when things went south, he shot him to death. Mm. Now, one of the things that Laura says she was most impressed about was Terrell's honesty when he volunteered the information about why and how he killed a man. And she sees some good in this guy who's serving 40 years. She sees a future. She's moving to America so she can be closer to the prison. And they're actually going to get married. What encourages one to join the prison pen pal system to begin with? Ah, I wondered that too. Can anybody sign up to that? And I'll just start getting stuff in the mail from convicts. Like I, I that one is that's a curious one for me. Do they find and they? I assume that there's some form of research or many forms of research that show that for the prisoners, it's better for their health and it uh, leads to less conflicts behind bars. Let's say if they're able to vent, perhaps to these people outside of the prison or have. Or write down their emotions, right? I mean, I think we all know that for a lot of people, that's very good for you to write those things down. But I, I'm trying to think. Bottling of them up for, and never telling anyone is also pretty cool, though. <laughs> from someone like outside of a prison, I'm just trying to figure what it would take in my life, what the reasons are. And I, unfortunately, I guess we won't ever know, or maybe she just hasn't said yet, what even made her do this? And it's quite possible you do it because you know someone who's behind bars. Just before we get into the specifics on this situation, it's quite possible you do it, I'm thinking, because you know someone or did know, have known someone who was in the prison system, right? Is there something that, to that? Because I feel like, okay, so listen, I my brother was, uh, <laughs> I'll just use my brother as an example. My brother was in prison, let's say, and he told me how hard it was. So I'm going to sign up for this because it's good for them to be able to reach out to others, blah, blah. It's strange for me. I mean, it's strange. I'm, I don't understand how it works, but fine. I also, uh, yeah, I mean, I don't, I wouldn't recommend. Like, it's, <laughs> it's, like a, it's like a, for me, it's like a do not recommend you get married to that person. Are you sure? I mean, it all depends on what you want in life. Some people might think this is the best deal going. You're in prison for 40 years chance of parole earlier or do we know Uh, it's michigan they they let a lot of people out sometimes so So maybe he's gonna get out early but in the meantime there's some perks i mean you go visit him on your time he's not up in your space you know uh you don't have to worry about you know fights about the toothpaste and shit like that there's a lot of little things right (laughs) i mean aside from the fact that he is a murderer (laughs) Serving 40 years in jail. 40 years is a long time. They don't give you 40 years because of an accident. No, no, no. There's a lot of intent there. Yeah. She's never even met the guy. And yet she is convinced that this is the one that she's meant to marry. I don't, uh, I don't understand how you can reason that out. I don't understand where her friends are to say, the fuck are you doing? Well, in a lot of cases, let's be honest, these are not necessarily reasonable people. These are people who have problems, can. And I'm not saying she is specifically, okay, I don't know her from Adam. But a lot of the time, there's a lot more at play. And there's issues. She's got issues. There's a lot of issues there, Kat. Holy cow. Uh, Let's do some numbers here. Seekingarrangement.com is one of those websites where you can set up an arrangement for sex in exchange for 
any number of things. It, oh. it could be just anonymity. It could be for cash. It could be for tuition money. It could be for a nice car. I need some new blinds. That sort of shit. <laughs> How much are the blinds worth? What about a BJ? Can I get some blinds? Would that be okay? <laughs> That's right. It better be California shutters, though, because I'm good at it. <laughs> they have surveyed their 10,000 members, and they wanted to ask about what an acceptable amount of partners is versus an ideal amount of partners is. Um, some couples have that conversation for whatever reason, and, and they want to know, oh, hey, how, what's your body count? How many have you been with? 48% of women and 45% of men, this was the biggest number in the group, agree that the perfect number is 10. They say more than that, and you're going to seem promiscuous. Mm. Less than that, you're hopelessly inexperienced. Well, oh, how do you get inexperienced? What? Sorry, but hopelessly inexperienced? That's, That's a they, little harsh. Well, I think they were trying to encourage <laughs> people to have more sex. I believe they have a vested interest. A dog in the fight, Jeez, if you will. My goodness. You can still be extremely experienced with a couple of people. Well, this is the thing. Right? You don't get experienced through the number of different partners. You get experienced through the number of different experiences. Thank you. Like, that doesn't make sense. You could have fucked that one person every goddamn day of your life, and that doesn't count for anything? No, that's hopelessly oh, inexperienced, Cat. Now, you go out and shag nine other strangers, and then you're in the game. One time when you're drunk and terrible at it, <laughs> and that's good. Uh, another set of numbers. You know what beer goggles are, I assume? Oh, certainly. Doing shots... To make someone seem more attractive is not exactly our idea of a hot date. But according to the folks at Slow Down Wines, it's obviously a wine company, it only takes three drinks to get to a place where your eyes can deceive you into thinking that they're better looking than they actually are. Huh. Slow Down wanted to find out how drinking does have an impact on our, our love lives. They surveyed 325 men, 325 women for intimate details on their dates. And they found that the three drink rule still applies. Wow. 60% of people said that having a few drinks gets them feeling frisky. And it only takes three to turn a three into like an eight or nine. Okay. Is it really making them more attractive or are you just losing inhibitions and trying to convince yourself you'd rather have sex more than you care what they look like. It just gives you the ability to find those little things that you think, okay, you know, maybe those, maybe that face isn't as crooked as I thought. <laughs> <laughs> I can, I can work with this. Yeah. <laughs> You're a parent of younger kids, so this affects you more than me. Uh, what's the most annoying instrument your kid could say they want to learn oh, how to play? No. Yeah, if my kid, so there's a couple of different variations of annoying for me, and it'd have to be, you know, even anything, any any wind instrument. Can really? I just say any wind instrument? I'd be like, oh, really? You want to do that? Okay, cool. Like you, you name it, anything from a flute to a trumpet to a tram, trombone, whatever the hell it is, any of those. That's it. The other thing that would be annoying, I think, is more so. Like a too large of an instrument to carry around. Or like you're telling me I got to get a fucking piano because you want to be into piano. I don't want to do that. 
You want to bring home a cello from school every day? This sounds terrible. Have your kids gotten into the music playing thing yet? Or do you have to wait until they have to do the shitty recorder thing in, in elementary school? Yeah, I don't. I mean, we have a guitar, but they haven't like taken lessons or anything. I say they. My oldest would be the only one who maybe could handle it. She just turned five. So, no, I haven't really been there yet. We have like instrument sets, but nothing too crazy. Our neighbor has a drum set. And that's mostly just do that for fun. And it's in their house, which is even better. 82% of parents say it's important for their child to learn how to play an instrument. The biggest pile of horseshit I've ever heard in my life, but I'll circle back to that. 18% of parents most want to hear the piano practiced okay. in their home. That was the most popular choice amongst yeah. parents. If you're going to play an instrument, we'd like you to play the piano. Okay. That's an expensive instrument to buy. Sure. Yeah, I'd be like, okay, you're starting with a Yamaha keyboard, though, because I ain't buying one of those. That has headphone jacks. Yeah. Here's the 10 most popular instruments. Piano or keyboard, acoustic guitar, Mm -hmm. violin, electric guitar, drums, a singing machine, a saxophone, DJ equipment, trumpet, and bass. Hmm. That's what kids want to play. What their parents would rather them play, piano number one, drums number two. Strange to me. Poor but shit. <laughs> they, I, they do have the sets, though, that are quiet sets, right? Yeah, You've seen exactly. These before? And I think that's yeah. what parents are thinking that, of. I'd be fine with that, actually. That I'd be fine with. The violin was number three. Imagine your kid comes to you and says, hey, I really want to get into playing the guitar. And you say, great, here's a violin. I don't think it's going to go over that well with the kid. Not the same. Uh, Guitar, guitar, trumpet, flute, percussion. Uh, When it comes to the stuff that parents wanted kids to learn, DJ equipment did not make the list. It made the list of what kids want to play, but not the parents' list. Is it a musical instrument? I mean, it depends. If you get yourself a decent little controller with... uh, Uh, One of the DJ software programs, you can make music. It's just not making it using an instrument. Right. Can I tell you, I hate that they teach music in schools. I hate it. I've always hated it. I hated it when I was in school. What's your beef with it? I don't think you should force somebody into doing something they're not comfortable doing. Me, I wasn't comfortable playing the fucking recorder or the flute or the, what's that thing that... This is like the xylophone. You got to tap it with the little felt mallets and stuff. Yeah. I hated that I had to do that. I never understood why I had to. And and all the teachers do is say, oh, it's good. You have to learn how to play an instrument. And I'm thinking, why? Why would I ever need to know how to play a, a recorder? Why? Yeah. The, the, I mean, you're talking. And when you say that you don't think people should get forced, students, I should say specifically, students, kids, be forced to do something that they, they don't want to do. I can, think of a, I can think of a dozen things. Why, and drama class at one point, and please teachers, I know we have a lot of teachers that listen. I'm not sure if it's still mandatory, like grade nine, for example, you have to take drama. I can't tell you how many kids in my class I remember being scared shitless of doing anything up in front of a group of people. Yep. Public speaking classes, uh, anything like that. I was shit at art. I didn't want to take art like, I, I, there were other creative outlets that I could, would have preferred over doing art. Like, I was a shitty painter, and they made me paint a tile that go went up into the ceiling that's probably still there at Monsignor Doyle. It's just a fucking, atro- like, just terrible. Just an embarrassment. Mm-hmm. I was uncomfortable with that. I believe it. I've I seen was your unco- art. Yeah, it's, it wasn't good. <laughs> 
I'm a doodler and that's about it. But I do not paint. I do not paint. So anyway, just shit like that. I mean, isn't it all, couldn't you argue that it's all kind of forced upon kids and then it's up to them to figure out if they like it or not. And that's a good way for them to figure it out. Cause a lot of parents, just as one example, aren't going to be able to afford any of those musical instruments. So having them there and maybe all it takes is for a kid to pick up that violin, which their family would have no way of getting for them and go, holy shit, I actually really enjoy this. Is there something to that? That's a one in a million. And I'm firmly opposed to all of the arts being mandatory for students Uh, for the same reasons that you just said. I was shit scared of doing drama in school. And and, uh, when I went to school and likely when you did as well, It wasn't like today. Today, we're very concerned about how people feel and things like that. Back then, it was nobody gives a shit what you think. Here's the deal. You're going to play the fucking violin. And if you don't, you fail. And back then, fail was left behind for a year. Not we move you on anyway. Mm -hmm. I don't think that we should force anyone to do anything they're uncomfortable doing. And that comes with uh, music in particular and dance. The fact that dance is part of the curriculum in school drives me batshit crazy. And I feel bad in particular for almost every boy that got bullied by a teacher or an administrator into having to dance in front of other people. I don't like doing it. There is no reason to do it. And I think it was traumatizing for me back then. I remember like I was... Fighting with my mom to not go to school on days when we had to do dance or we had to do art or we had to sing in front of the school. I wanted nothing to do with any of it. Mm -hmm. And nobody gave a shit how I felt. They just forced me into it. I think now that we're a little more conscious of how people feel, we would stop doing this shit. But it's still mandatory. And and they use stupid little excuses like, well, how would we know if uh, Mozart could play the piano if we didn't force him to play in school? Nobody gives a shit. There's a lot of things that you might be good at that we don't force you to do in school. In particular, things that make you uncomfortable or are a fear or a phobia. If somebody was afraid of the water, would we just throw them in the deep end of a pool? Fuck no, we wouldn't. What about when it comes to anything under the athletic category? So are you saying the same thing for a nine-year-old, let's say, extremely unhealthy child who is forced to, and I don't know what it's like now. I'm with you. I think that things have changed a little bit, maybe. But I remember those days of grade nine, specific grade nine gym classes. By the way, this is the year where you go into school, you're going to high school for the first time. You are in a mix of kids that you've never met before. This is your first time meeting them. You're plunked in front of them in your gym clothes, and you have to test your athletic ability in front of all of them by doing 100 meter dashes by whatever it might be. Now today you're playing basketball. Well, guess what? I fucking suck at basketball. And now you're placing me in this awkward situation where I have to do it. I mean, is it the same for you all the way around? Because in that case, I think we like, I mean, I think a lot of people would agree with us, by the way, but we need to take a closer look at everything we do. But some people would argue maybe they need that in order to realize like, holy shit, I'm unhealthy and I need to do better. Because I am behind on everything. Look at me. I'm the last one on the list. I mean, it it does go toward that. um, I know that there's a lot of people who would say, for example, Gen Z and maybe even millennials, right? They're they're snowflakes and shit like that. But there is a lot too. those those moments of bullying because of those programs, for sure, where, you know, the person, the chubby kids last, you know, on the track 
and everybody is saying something about it. It's not the sunshine butterfly world where people are just like, oh, it's fine. You did your best, though. It's embarrassing for a lot of kids. I think there's a lot of programs like that. But do you keep them and make people realize maybe I need to do better or I should try? Or do you get rid of them completely and then they avoid those areas of their life and never step out of their comfort zones? It's very, very... Well, we don't force people out of their comfort zone in any other scenario. I think it's a little different when it comes to physical activity. But I also believe in reasonable accommodation. If someone is overweight... And and I, I don't think the school gym program is going to get their weight under control. That's something that should be talked about in a healthcare setting with the parents involved in that discussion. Do we force them onto a track and make them run 500 meters? Fuck no. But I in front of every that. Pe- Oh, I know. I got I had to do it, too. Yeah. Uh, and eventually I got out of that bullshit by just saying, I'll do shot put because I was a short little fat kid who could throw a ball <laughs> long, a long way. It's great. I did long jump and I'm short as shit, but I was like, I'd rather that. I'd rather sprint for a short amount of time than do track for 1500 meters. Even at that, though, I remember I felt <laughs> it was annoying because the girls in my class always got out of it. And it took one person to discover the out that works. And it worked every time for every girl. Every time we had to do like track and field or a program in gym that the girls didn't want to do sir sorry sir i'm on my period all right well you can just go back to class and work at your desk then if you want and the girls got out of it every fucking time it drove me crazy so i (laughs) there's jealous of menstruation that's me i'm jealous of menstruation there's legitimacy to a lot of it that came with cramps and everything else and discomfort physically right sure i just found it hard to believe that the entire cohort of girls in the school (laughs) was on their period at the same time you hang out with people a lot your your cycles sync up okay all right i mean it was seventh grade exactly and there's no way a teacher's ever going to question it no we did know that for a fact well fun fact you can use that or you used to be able to use that and get out of gym class Uh, like i said i think that reasonable accommodations are required here we uh There's so many kids that have IEPs and all of the other different things that give them different accommodations for their education. We wouldn't make somebody stand in front of the class and take an oral test. So why on earth we make them run in front of all the other students is beyond me. I hope they don't still do that. My point here being that school should teach school stuff. And when it comes to the other stuff, just because it's an ideal, like, oh, wouldn't it be great if little Timmy or Susie ended up being the next fucking Mozart? Doesn't mean the entire school should have to learn how to play the goddamn piano. I hated it. It, it, I still to this day feel bad, particularly for the boys who got forced to dance outside their comfort zone in front of other people or sing. I never thought, and I'm a public speaking champion. I've I've won five awards. Champion? Yeah. All right. Five times I won. Uh, I don't think anyone should be forced to do public speaking. And I don't think you are. I think if you're that uncomfortable, you can arrange to give your speech, either submit it in writing or do it directly to the teacher, not in front of the class. Mm -hmm. I, I don't see why we make exceptions for the arts and for athletics in school and force people to do something they really don't want to do. They're not comfortable doing. And it doesn't seem reasonable to me. I'd really rather schools teach kids how to do math and, and financial literacy and all the other things that they have to learn French, English, that sort of thing. And not be forced into, uh, Hey, today's basketball day in gym. Everybody's got to do a layup and a three-pointer. You can't leave. Like, yeah, Get the but, fuck out of here. Do you think I'm going to make the WNBA one day? Why do I need to do this shit? We all know where this is going, okay? It's exactly. not happening for me. So I do agree with you. I mean, in my opinion, 
If all of a sudden uh, I was handed over everything to do with education, I don't even think Stephen Lecce has this power. But as an example, right? If they're like, Kat, it's on you now, I would blow the entire thing up and start fresh. The entire thing. Really? Yes, I would. Hmm. Uh, There's so many practical things that kids do not learn. Financial literacy, and I know they've made some changes, but they're too minor. The changes that have been made recently to the curriculum are too minor for it to really make a difference once they head out into the, and I quote, real world. Uh, financial literacy literacy is a big one. I mean, look what we're going through right now. And it's not the last time we're going to be going through something like this where inflation's crazy and people are trying to balance their own budgets. There's a lot of adults who can't figure this shit out. Maybe if they learned earlier, a lot of very practical at home stuff. I think I'm, I'm a fan of that. Let's learn how to cook some basic things and let's learn how to not waste food. As an example, let's learn how to do all those kinds of things. Shop and home ec should both be mandatory courses in elementary and secondary school. Let's teach you how to fix basic things around a household so that you can even help your, I mean, think about it, even at that age, even high school, if we're using high school as an example, which I, in this case, I think we are, That's a great way for you to help out around the house, too. Hey, let's teach you how to do this. Let's teach you how to do that. Instead of shit, I'm never going to learn, never going to need like algebra. I don't need that shit. I don't want that shit. There are some people that could take it. They could continue to take it. And that's fine. But it shouldn't be a a mandatory situation for in a lot of cases. And Hmm. sometimes it is. And I don't know what it's like now, but I would really just blow it up. You all have to take basic. You all have to take basic math. Absolutely. Basic French, even living in this country. It is good to know a little bit of French. I carried some of that with me through the years and I never took it past like grade 10 or whatever it was or 11. And I still remember some. But I really think that we I would love to take a closer look at that and just completely rebuild it from scratch. Huh. For today. I don't know that I agree with you on the algebra stuff, but I do agree with you on a lot of other things when it comes to making some changes in the schools. It's uh It's frustrating to me that when we have such a dire need for skilled trades, for example, that we will force you to learn how to play the fucking flute in school, but we wouldn't make it a requirement that, hey, here's a a course with the basics on what uh, a plumber does. Here's the basics on what an electrician does. Here's the basics on what a, a tool and die maker does. You could learn about stuff like that, practical stuff. And even if you don't end up becoming uh, an electrician or a plumber or something like that, there's never going to be a scenario where you go through your entire life not knowing or not needing to know basic electrical, basic plumbing. Uh, your toilet leaks and you got to replace the gasket on it. It's an easy thing to do, but it's amazing how many people go to YouTube that could have learned it in another setting formally. Yeah, that's true. But and, and arguably, I understand that a lot of the shit is on YouTube, including or at the touch of the fingers with our phones. Why do we need to learn math when we have it right here? One could argue. Well, we've always had calculators, but, but <laughs> nobody carried them around. No, nobody carried them around with them. This is always around all the time. Every answer to every question. So let's learn more practical things in school and let's continue to use these phones for the exact same reason. A lot of adults use their phone to figure out answers to shit they don't know. couple quick good news stories and then we got to go. Guy from North Carolina used to have a classic 1965 Mustang. He sold it years ago when he had kids and he needed money because, well, kids are really expensive because you've got to send a lot of money to school for their flutes and recorders. (laughs) To thank him for the sacrifice he made when the kids were growing up, his two now adult children waited until the day he retired and then surprised him with a very similar 1967 Mustang that they had fixed up. It looked almost exactly like his classic 1965. I love that. 
I love and obviously a good a good parent like a good parent to sacrifice whatever it is they like because they realize okay I need to focus on the kids right sacrificing is a big part of being a parent and when your kids get to that point and it does take years I mean in this case it took years it, it can take years and maybe it doesn't take that long but when they get to the point of that recognition of you what a good feeling that probably was for that guy knowing wow my kids actually understand and appreciate what I did all those years ago to the point where they want me to now live out this dream that I kind of had to let go of all those years ago. That's nice. An English teacher in Michigan just retired after teaching at the same school for 50 years. So everyone in the building lined up and surprised her with a standing ovation throughout the halls on her last day out the door. That's got to be so rare to be at the same school for Mm -hmm. 50 years. Yep. 50 years she's been teaching in that building. Imagine all the things you've seen. I mean, we have uh, in my daughter's school, a woman who um, is fantastic in the main office. It's retiring after 22 years. And I think that's an incredible accomplishment being at the same place for 22 years. 50 years. Mm -hmm. That's unbelievable. A 70 year old grandmother in Philadelphia heard that there was a lifeguard shortage this summer. For whatever reason, people aren't going into lifeguarding. In uh, Philadelphia. So she has come out of retirement and taken it up again. The woman says she was a lifeguard when she was 16. 54 years ago. Okay, I get that people are trying to spin this as a good news story. Like, ah, here's a senior who realizes that they can use their skills and they're still relevant today. And you're going to help out because there's a lifeguard shortage. And thanks to her, there's going to be pools that are open extended hours this summer because they've got a lifeguard for them. I mean, she's 70, right? Did we test her before we just threw her up on that big, tall ladder chair thing? I sure should hope we did. (laughs) You know, and, 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 and maybe she's a great swimmer and in exceptional shape, but I mean, maybe yeah. she's not much younger than Joe Biden. Would you want Joe Biden throwing the life preserver in there and swimming you back to the deck? I, and I, I'm not even being an ageist here. I'm just thinking if she hasn't done it since she was 16, girl needs a refresher. Uh huh. Like, at least I know if I'm swimming and I'm taking my kids to the old local pool and I look up at the lifeguard chair and I see, ah, there's someone who probably just recently took their lifeguard, whatever, got their certificate or whatever it is. Cool. I don't think any of that shit will be top of mind all those years later for her if she didn't do that for a living for many, many, many years. Well, swimming itself hasn't changed much. CPR techniques have changed. Yeah. Even pools themselves have changed. They don't run the same way they used to, where you just dump a whole bunch of, uh, of chlorine in there and hope for the best. It's, uh, yeah, I'm, I, I'm hopeful that this goes well. I'm just saying I'd probably chill in the shallow end if I was there. That's all I'm saying. That's it. Before you go in for a swim, take a look at the lifeguard. I wonder how old they are. I better take it easy today. Where am I, anyway? Have yourselves a fantastic hump day, everybody. We will see you tomorrow with another brand new episode of After 9. Uber is bringing back Uber Pool, but now they're calling it Uber X Share. Ooh. Yeah, brand new name, same mix of smells. Uh... American Airlines has announced that it will no longer service Toledo, Ohio, due to a pilot shortage, despite being the only commercial carrier to service the city. So if you have to go to Toledo, I have even more bad news. 
Gas prices still on the rise. At this point, the only affordable place to get gas is Chipotle. The After 9 Podcast is powered by Tony Johal, broker at REMAX Twin City. Your home sold guaranteed or he'll buy it. Hi, it's Shauna, and I might be a bad parent because my kids think french fries are vegetables. Hey, it's Ryan, and I might be a bad parent because I went out for wings when my wife was in the hospital after giving birth. Johnny here. I might be a bad parent because in my house, the tooth fairy gives pocket change. But we're not alone. Len emailed us and said his six-year-old daughter's Tarzan moment going from love seat to lazy boy by curtains made him more proud than any dance (laughs) recital. And Andy left his two-year-old at the rink. All right, guys, I'm sure we're not alone, like Andy's kid. For stories and confessions like this, make sure you check out our podcast. It's called Bad Parents, and it's available wherever you get your podcasts. I left a glove at the rink.